Consider the following, and some of the results you will hardly believe. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Turned Alchemist podcast. My name is Lydia. Welcome, welcome. I'm a former special ed teacher who, after seven years in the classroom, decided to leave and pursue what I'm deeming my unconventional classroom and pursue a dream of mine that I really only thought would ever be a dream. But this dream is to open a kombucha tap room that also trains and employs adults with disabilities. Kombucha is a really powerful fermented tea that meets you in your body right where you need it. And this creativity in creating my new flavors and the benefits that I truly feel are within this drink made me want to combine these two passions together. And here we are. And this podcast is my record of my journey to get there. So welcome. If you've been following me for a while, our business was called Living Simple, Living Full Kombucha. And I said was because our name has officially changed. Like the government is aware. (laughs) It's real. Okay, sorry, I keep going back and forth between me and we. Right now, it's just me in this business, but I often like to think about the future tense because it pushes me towards my goal, but it's honestly just me right now. But I looked at the business name of Living Simple, Living Full Kombucha, and I thought these two things. One, that is a freaking long name to say. (laughs) Like, I just keep thinking about it, like, on merch, on, like, farmer's market stuff, and I'm like, whoo, Living Simple, Living Full Kombucha. Like, it's just so much. (laughs) Um, And then two... How does this name really capture my movement and like what we're trying to do and like the drink itself? So I try to come up with a new name entirely and I have like a huge sketch pad filled with different names. I wanted something catchy, not overplayed, you know, and I kept coming back to the original name, particularly the living full part. So let's start with kombucha. This drink is alive with its bacteria that's like packed inside. This is truly a living drink and to keep living in the name really seemed fitting to me. And so when I looked at living full, so many things came to mind. Technically, I know that it's like living fully. I'm pretty sure that's like more grammatically correct, but I just like how living full sounded. And when I heard it, I instantly thought optimism, opportunities, excitement, even health for me, okay? So I feel that the term living full is another way of saying that you're living intentionally. And by filling your life with these things, these experiences and people that bring you joy and foods that make your body feel its best, living full really seemed like an amazing fit. So I work with my brother, Jacob. He is a pro at like all things, marketing, logo, design, and he really captured what I was feeling in the best logo of someone holding a bottle that's definitely like almost full with a plant coming out of the top as an ode to our health and even growth in the community. I am so happy with how it turned out and everything is still coming together, but I'm just so excited for you to check this out. So this is all a new way of saying that you can now find us officially at livingfullkombucha.com as well as our social media, like on Instagram, at livingfullkombucha. And you can always email me. I now have a new email address, livingfullkombucha.com. Goodness sakes, it is crazy to change the name legally, but whoo, I finally did it and I'm excited to tell you about that. So moving forward. So today I have in my hands a very berry brew, I'm calling it, and it's delicious. I used a local tea from the Lake Geneva Spice Company in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and they used these all dry herbs and fruits. And these herbs consisted of hibiscus, green tea, a couple of rose hips, and then some dried blueberries. 
And this was an experimental batch that actually turned into a really big hit with the people that I shared it with. The hibiscus turned into this like dark, beautiful pink hue. And it kind of seems like the Kool-Aid of kombucha, minus the artificial stuff. I don't think I'm gonna be making this one to go to market, but it's really fun with the new flavors. Whoa. Okay, so, sorry, if you hear this in the background, I'm still trying to get used to this like Midwest winters on a lake. My husband Sean and I live on a lake in Southern Wisconsin and it's that time of year where the whole lake is frozen and it seems like everybody and their mom is out there today going ice fishing, some people are ice skating, people are driving their trucks out there and I just saw like right now, so I was like, whoa, cool. I just saw five cyclists out there. I might do that later. I'm kind of like a weenie at walking on the ice, but dang it, if a truck can do it, my bike and I can do this. I will probably be okay. God, that's so cool. Anyway, total tangent, but today I wanted to talk about something that I get asked often, and that is about the sugar content in kombucha. Is there sugar in kombucha? If so, how much can I drink if I'm a diabetic? Uh, why do you make it with sugar? Couldn't you just leave it out? You know, just all those things. I just saw a sugar-free option at the store and it tasted great, blah, blah, blah. These are just a sampling of questions that I get around kombucha and sugar, and I really wanted to chat about that today in today's episode. And before jumping in, I'm just gonna make this super clear. I am not a health professional. I have done a lot of research along with experience and knowing the science behind kombucha, but if you have a health condition or you're sensitive to sugar, do your research. Chat with your healthcare professional about what is best for you. And okay, I just listened to a podcast on herbalism, which is another huge interest of mine. And they said something that I would love to repeat right now because it's ultra fitting. You are responsible for your health. So take what I say, apply it to what would be best for you. And as mentioned, keep digging, keep researching, talk to your doc if you have more questions. When I first started drinking kombucha, I was first put off when I looked at the label and I saw that sugar was inside. I've turned into quite a health nut over the past several years and admittedly, actually, I went a little overboard early on in like how strict I was on certain foods. This is probably about five years ago, I would say. Like a total restriction diet for purely physical benefits. It wasn't healthy. I wasn't even really looking nor understanding what I chose to restrict and how it would affect my health. But one of the things that I was cutting out was sugar. I stopped eating candy, I didn't have soda, and I was mostly like having herbal tea and, and like water. So when I saw kombucha and it was touted as like a health drink at the store, I drank it and I felt really great. Again, not really doing my own research, but just assuming because it was in the health section at the store that it would be packed with all this good stuff. So I was shocked that one day, finally, when I turned the bottle around, I examined the nutrition facts and I saw that the kombucha contained 16 grams of sugar. And I was like, dang, nabbit, I felt cheated and stupid all at the same time. Because again, naive me was really not looking at nutrition facts. I know, smart, right? But I instantly freaked because I thought I would have a negative reaction all of a sudden. I would, oh no, gain some weight. And if I just keep drinking it, I wouldn't feel good. But by this time, I realized this fact too. I'd already been consuming this for, I would say, a couple of weeks pretty regularly. Okay, like every day, I'll be honest. And it was safe to say I was getting really attached to it. Okay, like I drank it every single day. Um, I didn't put the attachment on the sugar, but I was just feeling really good. And at the end of my school day, um, it was just such a nice pick-me-up and my gut was feeling really well. I've already talked about how I've had some gut problems. My, my family history has a lot of gut problems. So I just felt really good drinking this kombucha. And if I wanted to drink this every day, Let's just say that our food budget 
was not liking this addition. Uh, kombucha, depending on the brand and the amount that you buy, it's a little bit pricey. And, and side note, I am going to try my best to make mine a more reasonable price. I promise. Stay tuned for that. But I one day wandered onto Pinterest in desperation to kind of maybe make my own and to see how hard it would be to make this kombucha. And while reading over the recipe, I found a lot of information on the ingredients and realized that the sugar that's in the kombucha isn't even for me to consume. It was for the SCOBY. Now, okay, before you freak out, don't worry. We've been chatting about the SCOBY in other episodes before, but if you're new um, or it's been a while, a SCOBY is an acronym and it stands for symbiosis. Oh, I can't even say it. Hello. Let's try that again. A SCOBY is an acronym that stands for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Ooh, there we go. That was embarrassing. Uh, back in episode three, particularly, I went into more details about kombucha, like its origins and the ingredients, if you want to listen. Uh, but as a quick summary, if I look at my main ingredients, you got water, tea of my choice, whatever tea I want to use, a SCOBY and sugar. And when I introduce sugar with the SCOBY during fermentation, when that takes place, the sucrose in the sugar is digested by the yeast of the SCOBY. Remember, culture of bacteria and yeast, SCOBY, okay? So that yeast eats it. And as they eat that sugar, it gives off CO2 and ethanol, which is really good, really good. Increase those bubbles too. After fermentation, what is left over is roughly about like two to six grams of sugar per eight ounce glass. And the sugar is now easily recognized and it's now transformed into glucose and fructose. So if we revisit school times when we learned about different sugars, I'm trying to remember what year that was. Was that like middle school or high school? We have the three sugars, glucose, fructose, and sucrose. And super condensed summary because this is kind of boring, blah, blah, blah. But fructose or fruit sugar and glucose, those are monosaccharides. When you think mono, we think one. And mono means it's also more easily broken down in the body. And it's used quicker than sucrose. And sucrose is a disaccharide. When we hear di at the front, we know that's more than one, it's two. And so it's composed of both glucose and fructose. And so looking at normal table sugar, this is sucrose, but fermentation transforms that into glucose. And if you're putting in some fruit for flavoring, you also add in fructose. So at the end of it, it's now something easily recognizable for the body. Does that make sense? So to paint a better picture for you, if I'm brewing a gallon of kombucha, I actually add one cup of sugar. And that seems like quite a bit. I wouldn't want to buy a food that has that much sugar in it. But now that I understand more of the science, that sugar, sucrose disaccharide, is mostly eaten by the yeast and transformed into a readily available sugar to my body in glucose and fructose form. That two to six grams of sugar per eight ounce glass, let's compare this to like my ex-boyfriend drinks that I used to love. <clears throat> okay, so ready? And we're looking at like a 12 ounce, by the way. So a 12 ounce Coke is a 39 grams of sugar. You're looking at Sprite, that's 33 grams of sugar. Dr. Pepper, ooh, sorry, Sean, this is my husband's like favorite drink. 41 grams of sugar. 7-Eleven, double, uh, double gulp of Coke, 156 grams. Man, and again, this sugar isn't the one readily recognized by the body. It's most often that this kind of sugar, it's recognized on the label as high fructose corn syrup, which takes a lot longer to transform. I'll get into that later on the episode. That along with color additives, phosphoric acid, and dang it, an illegal amount of delight. I still love those things. They're so good. It's just not real stuff, okay, you guys? It's not real stuff found in nature. 
So when we compare to kombucha, we easily see that the sugar in kombucha is significantly less than these drinks. And along with less sugar, fermentation also adds in healthy amino acids, vitamins, and minerals, which is pretty neat. So something that became really evident to me, especially over the last, I'd say, year or so, is how important sugar is to our health overall. It should not be the enemy and avoided at all costs. It's a direct fuel source for our bodies that we need for energy. The ultimate problem is really in the amount that we consume and what type of sugar that we're partaking in, okay? I'm not gonna go into all crazy about this. We all know about having too much sugar. We've seen all the shows about that. And oh, the dentist, we know with too much sugar, we're now at more risk for more health problems like type two diabetes, weight gain, high blood pressure, and heart disease, which I would not wish on anyone. Phew, so with that, I'm gonna tackle two specific questions revolving around sugar and kombucha before concluding this episode. So one I get often is if kombucha is a good option for someone who has diabetes. So I'm gonna start with type two diabetes. I feel that kombucha actually can be a really great option, especially compared to other sugar drinks, okay? So water, it's indeed, seriously, the best, okay? So if we really wanna get to the bottom of that, water always is better. But when searching for a replacer of especially artificial drinks, I feel like it'd be a lot better if you consume kombucha. It's a great option, and here's why. Going back to the different types of sugar, often we see high fructose corn syrup, like if you're going back to those drinks that I just mentioned, and especially in sodas, I got confused because when I saw fructose, I thought, whoa, 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 I know that now, that's fruit sugar. That's good, it's easy to recognize by my body. But high fructose corn syrup is actually a processed sugar source that actually takes longer to digest and it's not as readily digested as fructose is in say like a strawberry. So the liver is the only organ that can metabolize fructose in significant amounts. So when you eat or drink something with a lot of high fructose corn syrup in it, your liver gets completely overloaded. And what happens when you overload the liver, that fructose turns into fat. And then that fat can lodge in your liver and then that can contribute to like a fatty liver. So that can now be linked to insulin resistance, obesity, and then potentially type two diabetes. See where I'm going with this? So eating or drinking cleaner sources of sugar can help regulate blood sugars to a normal amount. And there's even a study, I'll link it in the notes, uh, kombucha actually slows down the digestion of carbs. I didn't know that. And that can reduce blood sugar levels. But again, talking about diabetes, I'm not a health professional. Please don't just take my word as is. Do the research, look up that article I'm about to post. Always talk with your doctor about more questions as it pertains to your personal health. Type one diabetes is a little trickier, okay? Kombucha offers a lot of health benefits to really anybody and could help someone with type one diabetes, but each person is so unique. You need to consider looking into what is actually inside the kombucha before consuming because not all kombucha is the same. And I know even just a small shift in sugar can drastically affect someone, especially with type one diabetes. And that leads me to my next question, or really it's just like a comment that I get. I often will have someone tell me about a brand that they tried at the store and they ask about added sugars. Uh, just like soda companies, although they claim, hey, we're all soda, we know that they are not the same and they all taste different and their nutritional makeup is different. And the same goes for kombucha brands. I already discussed earlier those main components to making kombucha, okay? So tea, sugar, scoby, water, that's it. That's it. But it's not uncommon, you guys, to find kombucha brands out there that like to add more to their product oftentimes extra sugar for taste. 
Kombucha is naturally acidic and it may take time to get that acquired taste. So for many brands to appeal to this larger market, they're gonna add in a couple more grams of sugar to balance out the acidity because most people are used to consuming sugar-laden drinks and their taste buds are attuned to that. So those companies are still gonna tout low sugar, but this is still often more than is necessary. So check out that nutritional fact. Often big kombucha companies will indicate the nutritional facts as two serving sizes. So although you see 11 grams of sugar per serving, it's really 22 grams if you consume the entire 16 ounce bottle because there's really two serving sizes in there. So just make sure you're looking at that. By the way, to figure this out, if a company is adding in the sugar, I look at their ingredients panel and here's how you can tell with kombucha. Often you're gonna see what is called a kombucha culture. And then in parentheses or a little asterisk, you'll see that there's gonna be a list of ingredients necessary for kombucha. Again, we should know this. Tea, water, scoby, sugar, boom, that's it. There it is. Sugar should be there in the kombucha culture section. But then if they add um, more flavoring, you're gonna see strawberries, hibiscus, okay? If they add more sugar, you're gonna see after the kombucha culture, cane sugar or whatever sugar, okay? Sometimes they even add artificial sugar. If they do that, erythrol, stevia, I don't even know them all. They're like the tall names. <laughs> don't do it. They don't need any artificial sweetener. So if you see any of that, terrible. But there's extra sugar sometimes added. You'll see it there. Most do this. Um, some don't, which just means you just have to scrutinize and look at the numbers, knowing that a raw, no filler kombucha is roughly between like two to eight grams of sugar per eight ounce bottle. Okay, so for me, sorry, I know this is a little confusing, but so for me, I just did my nutritional analysis and for my 12 ounce bottles, most of mine are coming in at like 11 grams per serving. And I'm putting one serving size, so when you look on the nutritional panel, you don't have to like double anything or figure anything else out. And I didn't add in additional sugars. And by sugar, I mean extra table sugar. Although you may see an extra gram of sugar because I added in fructose, okay? So a freshly squeezed, you know, lemon, lime, grape juice, those kind of things. So that's the transparency behind the sugar in the label. And some major brands out there, at least in the United States, um, that are in most stores, the top two are Kavita and GT's Kombucha. And I'm not gonna bash any companies, but again, I want you to be aware that there are really big differences in the way companies brew and process. So I wanna compare these two to kind of give you an idea. And if you're at the store, check me on this, okay? So with Kavita, I'm just gonna tell you, it's owned by Coca-Cola. I could say anything else there, but it's owned by Coca-Cola. And they state in their ingredients, cane sugar twice, okay? So they had the parentheses, kombucha culture, and then they listed it again. And they also add in extra probiotics. And this is something else that you're gonna see touted on labels, probiotic drink. Yeah, we know kombucha is indeed a probiotic drink. It helps aid in digestion and it makes your gut feel happy. But often kombucha companies will add in additional bacteria strains because they pasteurize their kombucha, killing off that natural bacteria made in fermentation simply to extend the shelf life of the booch. And this is tricky. It totally sucks. As someone small for me and wanting to enter into the game of wholesale one day, but I know that I'm going to find a market of people that appreciate a product that is simply made with just what it needs to ferment and not be pasteurized. And if that means a shorter shelf life, okay, then so be it. Most of the healthiest foods have shelf lives. If it didn't, that's where I would freak out because natural foods shouldn't last forever. Although uh, I'll save that for another episode because fermented foods can last a very long time. The flavor profile just changes, but just be looking for that. If they add in extra stuff like bacteria, it might have meant that they pasteurized it. 
If you go back to the other brand, GT's kombucha, this is the brand that I started with, by the way, when I first drank kombucha. And the ingredients are really simple and they don't include any extras. So they also state that they are unpasteurized and raw. And another way that you can find this out if they're not stating this on the label is if you basically just look at the bottom it should create a little sediment at the bottom, which you can see when you're shopping and it just like swirls around. It's freaking beautiful. Yeah, it's so nice. So little sediment also tells you that it's a living drink. It's still there, it's still alive. <sighs> I hope this helped explain a little more behind the sugar in this powerful drink and gives you a better idea when you're selecting your booch, what is the best to buy and what to look for. Of course, I'm biased. I am totally looking to get this kombucha in your hands because I know what I've created is really true to its original form. I'm really excited for you to try it soon. And speaking of, I'm getting really close to selling in my direct area. If you're in the Kenosha, Wisconsin area or the Northwest suburbs of Chicago, I'm coming at you soon. Make sure to subscribe to our email list on livingfullkombucha.com to know when we're going to start selling. We're gonna start with farmer's markets and local deliveries, but we do have a couple places like bars and coffee shops that are ready to meet and potentially have this product available to buy. I'm not doing uh, big deliveries yet, um, but we're gonna do like local deliveries. So if you're a little further away, like in Indiana or in Maine or Alaska, I'm sorry, we're not there yet, but maybe someday. I've always had a passion towards health and nutrition, especially as it concerns our youth and people with disabilities. I'm appalled at the skyrocketing numbers of obesity and heart disease and diabetes in these populations that I feel like can be tremendously helped with knowledge and access of healthy choices. And I'm looking to get in the classrooms again to do demonstrations. You know, some of my favorite lessons was showing the amounts of sugar in the drinks that my students would bring in and consume and having them actually hold a gram of sugar in their hands. Seriously, it's an eye-opening experience and it really made students rethink the choices and even myself too. My hope is that Living Full Kombucha can meet and help empower young individuals make the best choices for their bodies. Being the healthiest person that we can be allows us to look at our lives more fully which is why I chose the name. And I'm eager to continue this path towards a tap room that will embody both inclusivity in the workplace and celebrate healthy lifestyles. I really thank you for listening to today's episode. As always, I would love to hear from you at livingfullkombucha at gmail.com. And in the meantime, be well and cheers. Cheers.